Well, thank you for joining the Grim and Bloody podcast again. Happy you here. Uh, today we have Gary Morgenstein, writer of A Fastball for Freedom, which is a sci-fi thriller dystopian novel that is book two in the Dark Depth series. Um, thank you, Gary, for uh, taking the time and coming on our podcast today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And let me go ahead and introduce my co-host. I got Al Omega, Creature Hi, Fingers. How you doing, Al? Always good to be here. Joe Flynn of Create TV. As always, it's a pleasure, Joe. As always, I'm glad to be around today. And every day. In every way. <laughs> and Kevin Nicholson, good to have you back on, buddy. We miss Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this uh, to this show. This, this is one of the first times that we're that we're talking about science fiction, and we're talking about we'll be talking about baseball, and we're talking about it with uh, with an esteemed author like Gary Morgenstein. Absolutely, and he's our first author, so um, yeah. Today is the first for everything. Welcome, Gary. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. I'm honored. What sure. inspired you to become a writer? Um, I guess, like many writers, I had an unhappy childhood, and I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. And I thought I, and they, it just became my way of escaping and creating alternative worlds to block out the the, the yelling and the anger and the rage around me. And now, fortunately, I had writing, so I could come back. <laughs> there are people who, you know, block it out and then are on heavy medication, but. Um, you know, this mental illness known as creativity has always sustained me. And I could share it with other people, which is wonderful. Yes. And that, that, that's fantastic. Go ahead, Al. Oh, no, I was just saying it's wonderful that you had this uh, background that you could fall back on and, and help you out of things. Uh, uh, many of us have, have had problems at points in our lives. Sure, of course, everyone. So yeah, but, uh, I'll yeah. share a little bit here. Uh, I had uh, an exciting enough uh, life that uh, I got diagnosed with severe PTSD. So mm. I only wish that I could write. Uh, yeah. Then so I, I, I have other creative outlets. But so you you started writing. What were the was dystopian things the first things you started writing, or, or what did you start it with? Actually, I wrote baseball stories when I was maybe eight years old. Baseball and, stories. Yes, I, I was, you know, a little kid, very precocious, and I was writing baseball stories. And then um, when I got out of college, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer uh, until I went to law school and hung out with law students. And I was just so appalled by the lack of ethics and morality. I'll never forget there was a class, uh, the, the professor was talking about a plane crash, and he said, well, 350 people died. And all the students laughed, you know, because he said, well, imagine the contingency fees. And I thought, Holy smokes, just me and another um, student looked at each other. So I ended up going into journalism back when journalism was um, journalism. Sorry? When it meant yes. something? Yes, when it was actually about the truth and, uh, you know, informing the public. Uh, I know it's hard to believe, but there was actually a period <laughs> for everyone out there when, <laughs> when it was, you know, you were doing the Lord's work. It was an important part of our society. Now, you know, something quite different. And then I published uh, my first couple novels were uh, baseball novels. And I actually, for the second one, was called uh, The Man Who Wanted to Play Center Field for the New York Yankees. It's a baseball Rocky. So to promote it, I tried out for the Yankees. 
Uh, they used to have open tryouts in the 80s. Wow. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 Many, many teams actually had it. No one ever got signed. In my novel, the guy gets signed, but that's the beauty of writing fiction. You could make the world come out the way you want. So I tried out for the Yankees. Now, I wasn't very good when I was 14. I didn't get better when I was 30. I, you know, the night before the tryout, I prayed to God. I said, look, the Mick is not using his talent. Can you just lend it to me just for one day? What? Who's going to know? Just let me hit the ball once. And, you know, God was off being too busy with all the rest of the world's problems. But I swung and missed a lot. But I stood at, you know, old Yankee Stadium with a bat in my hand. And, and that was that was pretty, pretty, pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I admit, if I was like in New York City and I was trying out for the New York Yankees, I'd be in awe of being in Yankee Stadium going like, yeah all that history yep. and all that and you're just like oh my god i can't believe i'm on that field yeah let alone trying out for my beloved new york yankees or whatever baseball team that the fans of ours root for if you're a baseball fan you know but that that's that's amazing though yes yeah, so well i believe that we're all baseball fans maybe except for the dodgers um, I try okay. to, you know, you know, accept them. No, no, seriously. I think baseball is in so much trouble. And I think, you know, we baseball fans have to stick together. And, yeah, you want, you know, I'd like the Yankees to beat the Giants and vice versa. But at the end of the day, we love baseball and it's in decline. If they keep doing this foolish stuff like seven inning double headers and the guys on second base um, to start the 10th inning. Did you hear that the Pioneer League? Is if it if to go instead of going into extra innings, they're going to decide it with the home run derby. Oh no yeah. way! Yes, it's like it's critical. Yes, it's like wh- why don't you just you know stick a dagger into the heart of baseball? So that means that it's bad enough no one cares about the, the fundamentals. Uh, you know the sm- hitting a single is too boring. It's going to uh, just obliterate the core of the game, and it's it's very sad because I mean one of the things in my novels is that baseball in the close to the 22nd century becomes is fades and, and it opens um, with baseball about to start its final season ever in 2098 because baseball is associated with the old America. America has lost World War III to the Islamic Empire and baseball was identified with the America of world power, the great democracy and so was in part blamed for that and so now baseball is um, playing its last games in the ballpark called Amazon Stadium in the Bronx, formerly known as Yankee Stadium, and then some miracles happen, and um, Mickey Mantle Ty Cobb come back. But it's a dystopian nice. world. In yeah. America's, you know, you talk about, you know, the horror. And uh, yeah, I think uh, science fiction like horror is a very broad genre, and I think many people don't get how many sub, you know, sub genres of, of it is. Um, because there's horror, as we all know, you can have, you know, slashes, but so much of the worst kind of horror, the most terrifying horror, is what's in your imagination and what you can imagine. And a dystopian world where America is surrounded, it's pretty terrifying. And uh, we have something called the family governing the country. Uh, it's a kind of a benevolent dictatorship. All that matters is if you love someone and you have relationships and you build a family, it doesn't matter what you are, just who you are, except... There are things like we couldn't do this because social media is banned under the anti 
anti-narcissism was. Uh, well, that might not be a bad thing. No. Well, you know what? The, the thing, this is when you write, when you create novels, world, you know, you, when you create uh, worlds in your novels, you then have your own rules, which you set up. And sometimes you are almost not so much a prisoner, but you're so governed by your own rules. So, for example, in the first book, Amount Over Hell, one of the characters, a single woman gets pregnant. Now, I first thought, well, of course, she could have an abortion. But I thought, OK, wait a minute. That's not the world I've created. America's lost 17 million people in, in, in World War Three. Um, children are revered. They must um, re we must replenish the, the stock. So abortion would be illegal. So, you know, you, you see, the more rules you develop, the more you, you must obey the rules. Otherwise, folks like you are going to say, oh, wait a second, you're taking the easy way out. Sometimes I said, oh, why did I why did I do that to myself? But I think it's important if you're going to create a world, it must have its own rules of logic. It's got to be homogenous. Yeah. And yes. that's obviously why um, you know, people say they really like, say, like Star Trek, because it's very homogenous. We all understand the technology and the structure and so forth. Even Star Wars in its own way is homogenous. We all understand, even though the force isn't uh, perfectly explained, we understand it. And in reading your dystopian stories here, even those of us who haven't lived, uh, you know, like the Middle East, we've seen enough of this on the news. This makes sense to us. This yes. uh, strikes the court. Yes. And, and, and that, I think yeah. that's why it would be popular. Well, and, and that's the key when you write speculative fiction. Uh, you know, there are people who write hard science fiction where it's just, it, it's a completely different world and there are aliens and nothing is really familiar. And that's that could be a lot of fun. I mean, I enjoy that sometimes. But I, I'm not a techie guy, but that kind of, you know, loses me. Uh, so I want to create a world that has some roots in today without talking about today. No one is ever, you know, none of the people who are alive today are ever mentioned in my novels. But you can see why, for example, democracy would fail. And that's what happens in the books. We fail democracy, not democracy failed, but America failed democracy. Capitalism is gone. Uh, our whole you know the Constitution everything that we once believed in because there's nothing preordained about America being a free society we got to work at it there's nothing preordained about America being a great power I mean ask the Romans right, right. <laughs> so that's great I mean on and on right it's it can go and and so I wanted to show what happens if we lose focus and we lose our will and so I thought okay if I want to create a dystopian world about a lost America how do I do that? And, you know, some ecological disaster that's, you know, that's been done. I thought, well, let's lose a, war, a war, a world war. Well, who are we going to lose it to? Well, Russia, you know, now we're doing Red Door, right? That's kind of, it's been done to death. China's boring. But Islam, Islam is a third rail. And it has, despite everything, it hasn't quite gone away. It goes back some 1,300 years, the conflict between Islam and the West. In fact, the first war that America fought outside of, you know, against um, Britain was the Barbary pirates in the Thomas Jefferson, you know, from the halls of Montezuma. <laughs> right. The shores of Tripoli. So I thought that, and, and plus that's interesting because it, there is such a, a, a distinction between, you know, a, 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 an ISIS-like empire and how they would, and, and the world, as you know from reading the book, it's harsh. I don't, um, you know, I don't 
smooth th- things around. I mean, the, yeah, um, that was going to be my first yeah. question. Um, looking at you know some of the the feedback that um, you know, critics and reviews have have given the novel, um, and this would just be pertaining to the second one. Um, but I'd also like to talk about the first and the second together. Um, sure. But it has been um, um, called gritty. It's raw. It's depressing. Um, but when you're making a dystopian world, there is going to be something depressing. It otherwise it wouldn't be dystopian. Um, yeah. But I was very curious why now you said you you already explained basically all my proofs because you went in and explained them. But um, I find the the combination of the American pastime and Muslim to be a, a fascinating mix, especially um, in over a, a dystopian story. Um, now, as I read more into it, um, baseball becomes first it's taken out, and then it, it becomes some almost like a rallying cry, from what I am understanding. Yes, um, between yes. American and Britain, um, and I couldn't help, even though we're a horror show, I couldn't help but have images of Gladiator when he was he was taken down, uh, family killed, and he came back up in spite of everything else to face the emperor so is that kind of how where the story is going baseball's torn down it was america's pastime um it's being brought up again because you know this is the main protagonist this is his drive um is is that really where it's going this is going to be the one thing that saves us or does it kind of uh, just trigger world war four no well no baseball i mean i like to think that baseball and faith will provide hope for the world. You know, it's, I, I wrote the book before the pandemic, so it's kind of like a scary prophecy. Uh, but people, these are, the, the book is about, you know, ordinary people caught up in extraordinary times. And at the end of the day, no matter how terrible it is, it's okay, honey, what's for dinner? And the, the, the way that humans can survive, but they survive because they believe tomorrow is going to be better. And that is always the case um, that's in real history and and it should be in fiction. So I like to offer that there's going to be hope despite the the gulf between the two, between America and the Islamic empire, despite the the immense hatred, they're going to find a way out of it. And it could very well be um, part of the path is going to be baseball. And in fact, in book two, you know, they, um, Hoppy Niedek, the main character who has escaped to England because he's um, been falsely accused of treason he sets up the caliphate baseball association uh you know having muslim players play against american prisoners of war who have been abandoned by their country languishing in um english prison camps um but some of the all the great players um were there and so they get to play ball again uh so there's you know baseball the the, one of the problems baseball has and what i want to bring back problems in our societies we're not a sentimental society anymore are we you know you don't people don't stand there with their tears in their eyes we don't share things we don't have remember it's not so long ago when we used to have water cooler television remember that oh yeah Yeah. right that's not like you know 300 years ago (laughs) that's that's pretty and you know we we've lost the sentiment and baseball is a sentimental game and i don't want to just any other um sports not at all because I have respect for all athletes and, and the fans who follow it. But there's a special connection with baseball. 
baseball to the pass, baseball with its um, infatuation with numbers. Uh, you know, h- how many passing yards did is it the, the all-time NFL leader? I mean, I'm, I'm sure one of you know, but no, you really yeah. know the number. No. But who cares? Who cares? But you know, you know, Bobby, uh, you know, Bobby, Bo- uh, Bobby Bonds, uh, Barry Bonds, uh, you know, 600, 762 home runs, right? right? I mean, Babe Ruth, you know, things like Joe DiMaggio's 56 games. So there is a connection, baseball, to our past, which no other uh, sport quite enjoys. And there's a sentiment to it, and it requires you to stop and think. And it's not bang, bang, bang. It's not speeded up. I mean, I can see that the game now is too slow because of all the um, unnecessary uh, delays. But it, it still requires a little thought. And it still requires, you know, it's 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 a simple game to play. It's yeah. complex, but it's simple. But And I think we've lost. I don't think America can deal with that kind of sport anymore. Very uh, sad. It, it, it's very sad. Oh, sorry, Joe. Um, no. No. Uh, I was going to say to me, it's it's this uh, your your book series is almost a uh, an example of a sad state of affairs regarding baseball itself. Um, not just with this, you know, in the middle of this uh, of of this bleak future, but you kind of talk about the sport itself and how we've lost contact with uh, or connection with it, how we've uh, lost connection as a society with, uh, you know, with this pastime, with how we have not, um, we, well, we've kind of abandoned it uh, in a, uh, a, you know, in a sense. And I like the fact that you are using baseball as, in a sense, the hero of this, uh, uh, you know, of this, uh, uh, of this piece. The only way back for the United States is with this, it's through the very thing that it abandoned a long time ago. Yes, exactly. That's where the gladiator uh, came back from. Yeah. 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 And uh, uh, I, I almost, in a way, I connect with uh, with the character Puppy, who is just he's, he's sick. He's he's dealing with this whole uh, you know with with this whole thing, and he he's trying to hold on to a certain pride. I remember at one point early on where uh, uh, some questions about can you know. And you make it through the, uh, you know, through this, um, you know, through this day. And he goes, you know, I once struck out 14 Yankees in a, uh, in a, uh, in a, in a single game. Yes, I can make, uh, I, I can make this a little bit of, of, of pride there. And I, I felt a connection to, uh, you, you know, to that. What, what was Poppy kind of based on? Um, <laughs> I can ask, well, or was it a composite yeah. of different people? Well, first of all, I think it's just if I could just say the the magic of writing is when yeah. you connect with people, and yeah. when you say that you connected with the character, and we've never met, yeah, okay, right. and yet through my and through the story, you connect with a part of my writing soul. It's just wonderful. I mean, yeah. that's what writers. I mean, that's what makes it all worthwhile. Um, and I just wanted to point that out. We we. 
we should never be too complacent about things. And when you're reading someone you don't know's writing and you're touched by it, that's marvelous. I mean, that's just, you know, magic. There's only any, any other word. I mean, Puppy is just, Puppy's really not me. I mean, I, I would have liked to have been a, a Yankee. He's, he just popped into my head. You, you know, it, it sounds so precious when you talk, when writers talk about their characters. And, but forgive me because it's true. They really just emerge. And I don't struggle. Just one it's day they're very there. True. Yeah. They just sort of just pop in. They're, they're there. And that's it. And they have a name. Uh, and all the play, everyone had names. The only time I had to um, change names or deal with names is out of respect when I was naming um, Muslims. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, I had accurate names. I did not want to be any caricatures. And I'm always very proud that for both books, only one reader has ever accused me of, of being prejudiced or being home, uh, Islamophobic. And I, and I appreciate that because the, as dark as it is, I try to show respect for all points of view. Uh, but Puppy just emerged. I think Puppy's a great hero because he's, you know, if you watch television, okay, all too often contemporary television, the characters are over the top, right? They're just really whacked out. And the characters in this novel, they're pretty, they're relatively normal. They have flaws, they misbehave, they do things that, um, disappointed in them but uh, sometimes um, and they're disappointed in themselves but they're really just people and I think that's really important I mean Kevin hit on it you want your reader to be able to relate to your characters you want them to be within your world something that they have feelings that you could also feel because at the end of the day you're going to be left you got what you're going to remember about a book are the, the characters very true you know and that's the thing about characters you want people to get involved you know following the character's story arc and see what's going to happen you know and you know that's that's the same case for any author is you want the people to like the character yes and but sometimes you're going to be pissed at the character not too right they're going to do like all of us we all screw up. <laughs> That's it, you know, and more than Speak once, probably. <laughs> all right. I'm the only one who's going to screw it up more than once. And your characters <laughs> do it. But that makes them relatable. You feel bad for them. But then you want to root for them to, you know, get up because we're all rocky. You know, it's not standing, it's getting up and, yeah. and continuing the fight. Yeah. That's what all life is about. And you want to see that in the characters and you want to see them, them ultimately triumph and find themselves and one of the things I, I i really enjoyed as a writer in book two was that puppy and his ex-wife and ed ramos are together and you know they 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 got divorced they almost got remarried to other people but they love each other as much as they drive each other crazy they really love each other and i really enjoyed you know exploring that because i'm sure we've all had those kind of relationships right uh. <laughs> Well, you know, it's that banter that, you yeah. know, exes will have, you know, and it's that yes. one love that, you know, you know, he, you know, one minute you could hate that person, the next yep. minute you're totally in love with that person. Yep. So, yeah, you know. They push the buttons and you want to do that. And, and, and what's also, um, if, 
almost the, all the main characters are diverse because I also believe that in the 22nd century, that's going to be more the face of America. But what I don't do is have it matter. I, I like to write where people happen to be what they are and that all, what we are affects us in many ways, but there's many things that affect us. And I think as a writer, you have to go beyond that and you have to write people as people and try to find that connection. And I'm a great believer in trying to find how different people could come together. And um, I don't know if you're at the point, but um, uh, one of my favorite characters, uh, you're not supposed to have favorites as a writer, is Azar uh, Mustafa, who's Muslim. And, you know, he has a friendship with the, the Americans, the Crusaders, as they're called, in the Caliphate. Uh, and they're vastly different, but they find connections. And I think it's really important. And that's like, that's not public policy. That's not two leaders coming together. Those are just three people, two Americans right. and, and, the, and the Muslim who find each other somehow, even though they probably should, even though they keep saying, well, you know, this is not going to work out. And they become really good friends. And I think in, in our times, we're, such, we're so polarized. We can't, you know, you can't have a friend who disagrees with you politically. It's, it's gotten insane. Uh, and I think that's important to find the ways to reach yeah. each other. That's a scary movie for another time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so but Gary, I, uh, I wanted to go ahead and uh, give you the platform to tell us uh, where our followers can find your work. Yes. Well, you can, um, you can Amazon, Barnes and Noble, bookshop.org. I mean, anywhere you could go walk into your uh, local bookstore and order a copy of, of the book. And, um, and I'm on Twitter at writer Gary. Mm, nice. That will be easy to find people. Please. Uh, uh, yeah. And uh, I almost wanted to call you Stein, like yes. in Frankenstein, <laughs> but, uh, I, I refuse not to, yes. you know, uh, but yeah. And again, is there a third book on the way? Yes, there's a trilogy, so I'm working on a dugout to peace now. So that will ah. be in a couple of years. I'm writing as fast as I can. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> well, I can tell you the yeah. scariest part of, of, of the book would probably page one, right, is yeah. actually getting started. Um, so I, I've written a couple of novels myself, and page one is the scariest yep. part of the book, because by the time you get to the end, um, you know, sometimes you want to just keep on going. Like, I didn't realize um that i had two or three more left to go in this story so um it's great yes yeah, it's a it's an excellent feeling when you know you have more than enough story to continue on the novel and that there's a publisher um that you know signs you on and says how many more books you want to do so that yeah you know congratulations to your success um it sounds like a i think with any story whether it's horror sci-fi thriller comedy um you're looking for something original that will uh, keep you engaged and um a fastball for freedom definitely is up that alley. Thank you. Thank you very much. I just wanted to point out, you know, uh, Mother is a huge baseball fan and loved all the references. I'd have brought ah. her on the show, but no one else would have gotten another word in. <laughs> <laughs> Al, did you have more questions? Go ahead. Right throw there with you. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure being on the show. Well, thank you for being thank you very much gary it was a pleasure having you, you on and uh you take I, you know, we lost kevin but um we'll go ahead and send our uh our, our regards as well on behalf, his behalf terrific yeah. you take care guys bye-bye you too right. sir
Take care, Gary. Bye-bye. Have a great night, Gary. You too. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.